Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Our reading this morning is titled, Christ's Sufferings Bring Us to God. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, or given life by the Spirit. 1 Peter 3.18 God gave his Son to a life of humiliation, self-denial, poverty, toil, reproach, and to the agonizing death of crucifixion. But there was no angel to bear the joyful message, It is enough. You need not die, my well-beloved Son. Legions of angels were sorrowfully waiting, hoping that, as in the case of Isaac, God would at the last moment prevent his shameful death. But angels were not permitted to bear any such message to God's dear Son. The humiliation in the judgment hall and on the way to Calvary went on. He was mocked, derided, and spit upon. He endured the jeers, the taunts, and revilings of those who hated him until, upon the cross, he bowed his head and died. Could God give us any greater proof of his love than in thus giving his son to pass through this scene of suffering? And as the gift of God to man was a free gift, his love infinite, so his claims upon our confidence, our obedience, our whole heart, and the wealth of our affections are correspondingly in infinite. He requires that all that it is possible for man to give. The submission on our part must be proportionate to the gift of God. It must be complete and wanting in nothing. We are all debtors to God. He claims prompt and willing obedience, and nothing short of this will he accept. We have opportunity now to secure the love and favor of God. This year may be the last year in the lives of some who read this. Are there any among the youth who read this appeal who would choose the pleasures of the world before that peace which Christ gives the earnest seeker and the cheerful doer of his will? We read that legions of God's angels were waiting sorrowfully, hoping that, as in the case of Isaac, that God would at the last moment prevent his shameful death. Isaac was spared. He only started to run the gauntlet, but Jesus finished it for all of us. The Native American gauntlet was a ritual performed to punish the guilty member of a tribe for some crime. Two rows of warriors would, would stand facing each other, holding sticks. The guilty person had to run between the rows and I don't know how long they, I guess it depended on how many people they had in their warriors tribe. Not sure how long it was, but they, I guess they decided that based on the depth of the crime. But as he or she would run, the warriors would whip the person with sticks. And thus their social rules were protected and enforced by peer control. But we committed the crime, yet Jesus ran the gauntlet. The gauntlet that he ran today is called the Way of Tears. And all along the way, people were jeering, taunting. Well, there was the occasional sympathetic one, but he was not delivered. And at the end of this, he was, he was not released to go free, but nailed naked to a couple of boards. 
and wept. The Bible tells us the women stood a long ways off weeping because out of respect for him. His father revealed himself in the form of a dove of light at his baptism and told him with his own voice that he was his beloved son. At his death, he shielded him in darkness with his own presence. Well, Jesus wasn't allowed to feel his presence or the comfort of it, but how does Jesus' suffering bring us to God? I'll share my own thoughts, as usual, but just use my thoughts as a catalyst and for your own. I feel like that Jesus brought us to God in himself. 1 Corinthians 1, 27-30 tells us, In God, God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and the weak to confound the mighty, that we should not glory in his presence. But of him, of God, are you in Christ Jesus. We are the foolish and the weak ones that God chose, and we cannot glory as though we were in his presence because we're worthy. But to make it possible of him, we are in Christ. That is, our human flesh is in Christ's body as well, also making him our brother and representative before God. And to say it in a way that might make it seem more clear, like when we send someone to the games, he is our representative there to represent us and our best interest. He's one our planet Earth sent to the games to represent us. Just saying it that way to help reveal how we are in him. First John 1, 7 tells us, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Said another way, if we personify the moral code as he personified the moral code, we are one in character. We have fellowship one with another. 1 John 2.10 says, He that loves his brother abides in the light. Love is the moral code in action. We read that he claims prompt and willing obedience. I believe this is our gauntlet, that we run the race with prompt and willing obedience in the light. If you will, whilst all outside influences try to knock us off our course, they will distract, disagree, disrupt, taunt, interfere, otherwise beat us with sticks as we doggedly stick to the course and come out at the end as members accepted in the family of God and if we do not quit. I'm going to read a couple of verses in Matthew 24. I'm just going to go ahead and read verses 6 through 13, but of course that whole chapter is really good. It's where Jesus is telling what's coming in the future. Or, but I'm going to go ahead and read it, starting with verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. They're going to quit before they get to the end of their gauntlet. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. 
and the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. There, that word witness is interesting to me. I don't want to get off on that tangent, but uh, you could look at the word witness in First John. Uh, I think you'd find that an interesting study. But he should, that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. We could also go off on another tangent. This gospel, what is this gospel of the kingdom that's going to be preached in all the world? But we know that the Lord's going to bring it to an end, and you and I each individually have our own gauntlet that we are running. We are told to take up our cross and to follow him. And all of those things that we find so crossing in self-denial and self-abasement, that that's the only way that we can enter into life. Because we're becoming more like God. It's a fight to the bottom. Because in our world... Pride in the top, and the arrogance is at the top, and they fight to the top, walking over each other, climbing the ladder. In God's world, it's not like that. He's the most meek and humble and quiet spirit. And if we want to be like him, we will fight our way to the bottom, let other people walk over us. You lay yourself down, as the Bible said, and they walked over. Okay, I'm going to stop wandering. Uh, um, The submission on our part must be proportionate to the gift of God. Here's a warning. Pray you that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. When Jesus told that warning to them, it was before uh, AD 70, I think it was AD 70, where Rome came and destroyed Jerusalem. But Jesus' prophecy is... Uh, has two fulfillments. He was also talking about the end of the world as well as what was coming to Jerusalem, but he knew they couldn't bear to know all of it at once. So for them, on the Sabbath, the gates were closed and locked. And in the wintertime, it was very harsh and hard on the mother with children. So he told them to pray that their flight would not be in the winter nor on the Sabbath day when the gates were closed. And in our day, we can pray that it would not be in the winter when it would be harsh or on the Sabbath as well. I believe God will answer our prayers. There's a promise in Matthew twenty four thirty three: When you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors, even at the doors. The coming King is at the door, who once the cross for sinners bore. But now the righteousness ones alone, he comes to gather home. At the door, at the door, at the door, yes, even at the door, he's coming, he's coming, he's even at the door. The signs that show his coming near are fast fulfilling year by year, and soon will hail the glorious dawn of heaven's eternal morn. At the door, at the door, at the door, yes, even at the door, he is coming, he is coming, he is even at the door. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that that time is so very near. Sometimes I just feel absolutely frozen, like in trauma, not knowing what to do next, waiting for the other shoe to fall. 
Things are fulfilling so quickly. And sometimes we don't recognize the fulfillment until after the fact. Lord, I pray for those who are here with me this morning, that they'd be ready to meet you when you do come. That we could look up and say, this is our God, we have waited for him, and he will save us. I pray, Lord, for you to forgive those sins that we have committed. Things that put a barrier between us and you. Help us to draw near and to the end to one another, to strengthen one another. Press together, press together, the angel has said. And Lord, we want to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, be ready. Jesus is coming. He's even at the door. Be blessed today in him.